All right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm your host, Connor, and I'm here with uh, resident film snob, Calvin. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> I still don't know which introduction I like better. I don't either. <laughs> I wonder what if there's an introduction that like lends credibility to my opinions. I don't uh, think we found it yet. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, but we're talking about a movie that I have anticipated for years, despite it coming out uh, in like 2015. We're talking about Krampus. And the reason I'm very excited is I have wanted to watch this many times, but by the time I remember, it's like January, and I refuse to watch this if it's not during the Christmas <laughs> season. So we finally sat down. We actually watched this one together, which was which was nice because we don't really uh, get together to like uh, just chill out and watch a movie. It always feels like we're ramping up to do the podcast, but it was nice to just chill out and watch this one. Yeah, yeah, especially this one because this one is just so much fun. Like we can talk through it. Um because there's nothing there's nothing really to pick up on thematically that we really need to uh bring to a discussion so this one was just a lot of fun holiday tropes and uh subversions of those and uh, a lot of humor yeah so this is directed by michael dougherty uh, it had a budget of 15 million it made 62 so it did like pretty well and it's yeah. like a nice easy like a, a quick like uh, hour and a half runtime uh what shocks me about this is so he did krampus in 2015 and then his next feature length film is Godzilla King of the Monsters in 2019. So he goes from a film Krampus, a budget of $15 million to a Godzilla movie. That's $170 million. Like Hollywood is wild, man. Like I just, that is a huge swing to me. Yeah. That's crazy. Like I can kind of see like the way I didn't see Godzilla King of the Monsters, but at least he, you know, understands how to create tension. Um, with more of the dramatic and like uh horror elements in this film but that's just like i wouldn't have picked him for that no um i think especially in, and this is not a godzilla review but gareth edwards did the uh the first godzilla that came out in 2014 and that movie takes its subject matter seriously and then godzilla the king king of the monsters gets like really schlocky and kind of crazy and it has really roland emmerich-esque characters that are just like there to say stupid lines that the audience is supposed to laugh at and so it made total sense once i found out that it was the same director as krampus i was like oh now i realize why i don't like godzilla king of the monsters <laughs> and but that's the reason why i do like krampus then this movie is so self-aware of why it's funny and why it's goofy and and that's why I think like this is such a fun ride to get on. Like it has all the hallmarks of like a holiday classic. And then it has this just totally goofy horror element thrown in, but all the characters seem to like, they acknowledge it and they're just, it's a, it's just something that you can just sit back and enjoy for what it is. And that's why I love this. We laughed a ton through this and I think this is a great movie. It's going to become a part of like my, my holiday, uh, like gamut of like movies I watch when it becomes like Christmas season. I loved this. Yeah. I think of it as like the conjuring meets national lampoons, Christmas vacation. Oh, that's perfect way to describe it. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's really fantastic how this, this film balances both the humor and the horror. Like neither element feels like it's competing with the other. It simply has a place set aside for it and changes tones effortlessly because of the type of humor that they use. It's just a fun subversion of all the tropes of Hollywood movies. Oh yeah. It, it it hits like the, all the stuff, like the you know the big family gathering for dinner, the introduction of the in-laws that no one wants to see. It, yeah, it hits all those things. But then it's like it's just such goofiness. Like once it gets like once you see Krampus and everything. So speaking of Krampus, you did some research on it, which I'm excited for because you love like kind of the Nordic, uh, like uh, folk tales. So I want to know more about Krampus. Yeah, and Krampus is less uh, Nordic uh, and more Germanic. Um, 
like it, his origins seem to come from like pre-Christian Alpine folk tales, and he was slowly assimilated into Christian stories while maintaining his original pagan qualities. So some stories have him as the evil companion to Saint Nicholas. Um, Saint Nicholas would give the good children dried fruits and chocolates, while Krampus would swat them with birch sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a that Nickel or something? Isn't that kind of the character that Dwight Schrute plays in? An episode of The Office. Yeah, it could be. There's a, there's actually quite a few different versions of Saint Nicholas, and like, because uh, you have Saint Nicholas, you have uh, Santa Claus. They're different, uh, technically, in some of the folk tales, and there's just like a bunch of different ones. They're all very regional. Okay. So, and same sort of idea with like with Krampus. So the idea overall um, uh, is very unique, depending on which part of uh, the continent you're in. Um, so Krampus is normally depicted as having cloven hooves and goat horns, which is reminiscent of the Christian devil depictions, which we kind of talked about in our the witch episode. Um, we don't really know why the where those those descriptions come from. They're probably just an amalgamation of like fawn creatures uh, from Greek mythology and just like general distrust of goats. I think with without like even really having a back knowledge on anything pagan, you can look at a goat and understand like that's a pagan symbol. Like yeah. Baphomet is like another one. It's yeah. The same thing like a goat head. and Yeah. I think you just look at a goat and like that thing looks evil. It's because they just have weird eyes. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. It's like piercing through your soul. Um, but he carries chains symbolic of the binding of the church and a sack to drown children or take them to hell. What a great Christmas character. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you you know, if you're good enough, you might get some chocolates or you could die a horrible death. Yeah, I do like the way this movie uses him and like you have the grandma who's German and I want to get into that. I wonder how well she fits into this movie and uh, mm-hmm. we'll discuss that later. But I do like there was kind of that, there's definitely like that German background to bring in this character and there's not a lot of explanation to Krampus really. He's just a neat thing that shows up. And so moving on into the look, I think... This, this movie, again, doesn't have any like very visually exciting scenes in it. Say for one, when Krampus first shows up and he's leaping on the, the rooftops of all the houses and he's chasing Beth, who's like the daughter of the family, and because uh, she's going to see her boyfriend. And I think you get into like a really cool tense scene where she's underneath the car and you hear uh, this is a part of like the sound design that I really love is the, the, the clumping of the hooves, the ringing of the chains, the jingle bells going up. It's like a really neat mix of what is like inherently horror sounds. Mm. Then you hear a jingle bell in it and it's like, oh yeah, this is like a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really like those parts, but overall I don't think there's, there's visually not a ton of great stuff going on in this. It's very classic schlocky horror movie. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Very stock camera angles. Nothing's very visually um, interesting or representative. It's just like, how can we get everything we're trying to show within the frame? Right. Um, we, speaking of the visuals, we recently watched a movie called The Humans, which is filmed and framed in a really unique, amazing way. And it's a story of a family getting together for a Thanksgiving meal. And it, it is unique in the way it chooses to show the family get together. This movie is, it does everything like kind of by the book, like everyone sits down for, you know, their, their Christmas meal and it's all perfectly framed. So you can see everyone, you can see all the holiday decorations. Uh, everyone's perfectly seen in the shot in, in the shot. And this movie does nothing interesting. Whereas like the humans does really interesting stuff. So it's kind of neat to see like those uh, juxtaposed natures of two uh, 
pseudo holiday film i would call the humans yeah well i mean these are both the kind of technically pseudo holiday I suppose films. You're right. yeah so it's not really the spirit of the season but also like krampus is definitely i would say it's a contemporary of the humans yeah. they're almost the same yeah exactly <laughs> but it's uh another thing of like um shooting it by the book is whenever someone is speaking the camera is on them um and I don't love, uh, they're not, they're, those aren't very interesting ways of shooting because you have something exactly like the humans where sometimes you only focus on one character throughout the entire scene and they speak at some parts and sometimes they're just listening and we focus on their interaction with everybody else. And it is, it's, it's not very deep in terms of what they're discussing, but you get into that character's mindset and how that transcends into, um, uh, a theme about what this movie is really about is uh you know but okay but so this is not a podcast on the humans we, we already talked about all of that so yes. <laughs> krampus does none of that and so that's why i don't have a lot to say about krampus in terms of uh film elements right i think all the charm and humor comes from the characters uh that's what made this like uh, that's why i was like really into it you know like i said we were laughing a lot through it um what do you think of i know someone you don't really like is uh david koshner Okay, so I, that was the only character I actually wrote. Like, normally yeah. I hate David Koshner. Because we talked about that. You're like, in the middle, like, when he first shows up, you're like, oh. <laughs> like I, and, and people would know him from, like, he plays, like, what is it? Uh, Chep Yebetcha from Anchorman. Yeah, and then he's also, like, uh, um, one of um, Michael Scott's uh, friends from another branch. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah, like, he, like, took a dump in his office. He's but, the manager in waiting. He plays, like, the... He plays a pretty annoying character pretty yeah. much every movie he's in. And, and like, he certainly does that in this film as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, But his humor is always like the fact that he's just an asshole. Not that he ever says anything funny. Like, He's kind of like the counterpart to Kristen Wiig. It's really about the, the, the persona of the characters that he plays. Like, Cr- Kristen Wiig? Yeah. Like Kristen Wiig isn't funny. Like Kristen Wiig's entire shtick is how she acts. And oh, like I thought you goofiness. meant Kristen Wiig was in this movie. Oh, I was like, I was no. Like, Did I miss it? Oh, man. Yeah. A little Easter egg. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. She's actually Krampus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Kristen Wiig, I don't think is funny. It's just like if you find her mannerisms funny, then she's funny to you. But there's nothing of substance that she ever says that I would describe as being humorous. And it's the same thing with David Kushner. But in the fact, but, but here he actually does say some things that are pretty funny and he's like, understated in in elements and has a little bit of like humanness to him that makes that allows for a little bit more of the humor to come through but that's yeah yeah. he's the only one that is just like gave me what i wasn't expecting he's the perfect gun-toting conservative that i think some people will latch onto that character and be like hey man brother (laughs) that character really speaks to me even though it's like a joke the way he is like it's like that's it's supposed to be overplaying like those aspects of that kind of person, but I'm sure there are people who latch onto him and be like, speaking the truth. <laughs> yeah, right. Like when all of the guns pop out of the back of his Hummer and there's like like steam rising from yeah. them. I also like he uh, he gives the one gun to Adam Scott, who is like the, the dad of like the family that they're visiting. And uh, he's like, oh, it's kind of big. And he's like, oh, that's Linda's gun, which leads into another great character. That's, that's his wife, uh, played by Allison Tolman, who was in uh, the first season of Fargo. And she's amazing in that. Huh. And so to see her in this movie where she's, again, like kind of playing a caricature, something like over the top, I thought was really good. I think she's excellent in this. She has a couple really great scenes where they're having the big family dinner and Tony Collette is playing her sister. She's like, well, we didn't make like mac and cheese with hot dogs in it. And she's like annoyed yeah, like yeah she, thinks, she she asked like yeah like uh, i'm sure you like because uh, she was saying like yeah get, I'm, i thought you'd be tired of uh mac and cheese with hot dogs and she's like yeah sure she's <laughs> like as if it was great <laughs> um and that that really spoke to me personally because like i eat 
<laughs> mac and cheese with hot dogs. It's like a it's like a comfort food meal from my childhood and for whatever reason has stuck around with me. So I had the same reaction as she did. But I think she is a, does a great job. She has another scene where they're picking up some packages that have arrived and there's like an extra bag of stuff. And they're like, man, why do the rich people always get the extra gifts, always get the free gifts? And they're like, ah, probably the Democrats. It's so funny. <laughs> All the humor works so well in this. Um, another character I want to talk about is Max. I, I think the big heart of this movie is that dinner scene where his cousins get the letter he's written to Santa. And it seems like it's just going to be a big, like, make fun of Max scene. And then it actually has, like, some real heart to it where he's, like, talking about how he wants his aunt and uncle to, you know, maybe they're struggling a little and he hopes Santa gives them some help and he wants his parents to fall in love again. And it's, like, really sweet. But then it also has a great joke at the end of it where he's like, oh, he wishes, like, the two cousins he has were boys. (laughs) Like, like that's what uh, their parents think. (laughs) It's really great. I think there's enough, like, heartwarming elements that the hum- uh, humor isn't like undercutting any of it, even though this is supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. All those parts like really hit for me. I also want to know, what do you think of the grandmother and like kind of the, like like we talked about the German element that gets brought into this. Do you think she feels out of place in this? Or do you think, is she like shoehorned in just to make the Krampus element make sense? Or do you like her in it? Do you think it feels like it works in the movie? I, I don't really care. Um, okay. ab- about her, like I don't think it 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 does or doesn't work, um, because either way you are just getting Krampus regardless. Um, I think she's there as like an old woman archetype, like to like, uh, talk about like things past, and um, that's that's really all. I don't think that she's she's important. I don't think she is necessary. It's just like a. Uh, how do we work in this fun little animation in the middle of like explaining Krampus? That's exactly my next point is uh, I think her character only exists. So then they can have like an homage to uh, like the old Rudolph kind of stop motion or uh, a year without Santa Claus, like those, you know, those Christmas classics. It's just to have like that kind of stop motion element in it. Yeah. Which I think also works. It's visually fun. It's a little break from what the movie's been doing. And the other thing is also the bell. That's the only other reason. Um, oh, the little ornament. The yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's about the, the end. Yeah, exactly. That's so. That's the only thing. It's like to let them know like exactly why it's important, the bell, and how they're, you know, what where they really are at the end of the film. But we'll get into that at the end later. Right before we move on, uh, I want to talk about Tony Collette. She got snubbed again. <laughs> it's like she has back-to-back great performances, Krampus and then Hereditary, and this woman can just not get an award or even a nomination for it. It's unreal. Yeah, I do love, like, I think your favorite part, <laughs> yeah, the favorite part you're talking about is, like, they had just gotten back from the mall and taking a picture together with Santa, and she hangs it up. Yeah, oh, and uh, the Santa Claus is looking at Beth, the daughter. And like staring at her ass. Oh, yeah, like, it's so great. <laughs> and she like rolls her eyes. So yeah, annoyed. She, she gives that great classic Tony Collette. <sighs> it's amazing. Oh, so her eyes are so <laughs> wide. She's just like perfect, perfectly exasperated. I, I do kind of want to jump back a little bit to that kind of the opening montage of the movie. I think it has the most accurate description of how people feel shopping, not necessarily all the chaos, <laughs> but I love the part where it shows people at the cash register and all the, all the employees are like, just so over it already and even the people checking out are like oh, i can't believe i have to do this like yeah people are falling off of ladders yeah it's it's the perfect representation of how it feels to like shop at a mall or department store for or, stuff or work there too yeah 
And so I love the way it opens up. It's a little, it's supposed to be goofy and fun. It has people being tased and all this stuff. But yeah. And everyone's just like staring around them like it's a campfire. Yeah. <laughs> but all the best parts of that opening sequence to me, are, it's just the, like the cashier's like, oh, please let this day be over. <laughs> like, oh, no. Like right. retail is just hell for them during Christmas. So I really love that part. It really is. It would have been nice if there were like some Krampus uh, figurines in that opening um sequence like to foreshadow what everything was going to like well this is like this is what uh consumerism really gets you it gets you krampus it would have been cool if like all the this is a jingle all the way reference but if all the turbo man dolls are sold out and there's a bunch of krampus dolls that haven't been, <laughs> there's a bunch of them on the shelf i would have loved that oh uh, yeah that would have been great <laughs> uh but i want to move on to uh i think the the toys that show up like the your kind of villains in this, I think is a really fun element in this movie. Yeah. And I love, I love the fact that we start with the, the gingerbread men because we have this very funny, goofy uh, sense about this movie. And so the first villain to show up are these funny, weird, goofy uh, gingerbread men that are, you know, obviously menacing and, you know, um, murderous. And I think it's a perfect segue <laughs> into this very, very severe tone uh tone change for this film oh yeah i i kind of disagree with you i don't like the gingerbread men because i I don't i don't like that i didn't like them at first i just thought there was already enough goofy humor to this that you could still have like your uh villain toys exist without goofy gingerbread men in it it does set up a good like little action set piece but i didn't love it i get why they're in it this is also pg-13 which i was kind of disappointed when i found that rating i was like ah so we're not gonna have like anyone die in a really crazy gruesome way which is fine or like losing limbs yeah but it's also a bummer when it's supposed to be a horror movie and it's like okay well i know they're gonna have to reel it all back for that reason this movie despite that was still entertaining for me yeah and part of the the reason too i think that the gingerbread uh men really work is they're also a nice contrast with the grotesqueness of like of the other toys like and they're all given names i love that they're all given names you have perchta the cherub teddy clown and der clown which is that jack-in-the-box like snake thing which we see early in the movie who gets uh, beth under the car yeah because i remember we watched that and we we're like oh she's dead and i was like well you don't see like any blood or anything i was like i think she's been gobbled up and then when you see the jack in the box later it's like huge now because then it's swallowed like the two cousins that they have mm-hmm. and uh, i i do like that whole set piece and i think tony collette or no it's uh, adam scott he's being like stabbed by the robot yeah yeah he's like are you kidding me <laughs> and that's part of like the self-awareness that this movie has that makes it fun to watch like this is just fun yeah throughout. i love and I love when the uh, Jack in the Box thing like pops up and you get that like like predator type oh, jaw. Oh, the unhinged like, jaw and everything. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. And it's like just a, a flashlight on them. And it's very, it almost feels like a found footage shot where, oh, wow, this is crazy ridiculous. And they're also like, whoa, that's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I think Tony Collette is like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> that whole sequence is great. Um, uh, yeah, I, I like the, the toys that pop up in it. I think it's a good use of, that's why I kind of I wish the gingerbread men weren't in it because I think you could have had more fun toys besides creepy gingerbread men, mm-hmm. but it all kind of worked. Those 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 elements are just are just so much fun. And then you also have like all of the dark elves and like uh, when you look at the credits, every single one of them was given their own name. Like they have uh, um, they're all like either Icelandic or like some other like Slavic type name, and I can't pronounce uh, them very well. But just the fact that every single one of them was credited was really funny, and I was just like, "Who are all of these characters?" I like that idea of kind of uh, 
it adds a little more personality to the movie if you're willing to stay through the credits, which uh, we, we always tend to stay in and watch those because I always try to figure out who the best boy is. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I like all that stuff. Uh, taking the time to do all that, uh, I guess I kind of want to stay in the credits. I also love to, it has like all the, it looks like uh, Christmas photos of uh, the cast and crew, which I think is a fun thing to do. Yeah. So I want to talk about maybe some things I would have added this movie has already really leaned into the Christmas movie tropes. And so why don't you just go a bit further, like lean into Home Alone? I would have liked uh, the idea of kind of just, instead of the kids just kind of being eaten by the Jack in the Box, maybe they set up little traps throughout the house. And it, I think it would have been great if like when the parents are going around, like trying to save them or whatever, they run into the traps and like they're getting caught themselves, like <laughs> slipping on race cars that have been spread out or you know stepping on Legos and like grabbing their feet. I would have liked more more of those elements where like the, cause the kids don't really seem to be super involved in like the actual, like, uh, uh, like tension that's going on. They're just kind of, they're off frame and they're like, where are the kids at? Oh no. Yeah. And it would have been like fun if it was like, uh, self-aware enough to the point, like who the, like who set up the flamethrower? Like, Oh, I saw it in a movie. Yeah. I would have, like, I would have liked stuff like that. Yeah. I, I think, I think this movie already does a good job of having those tropes in it. It's like lean into it even more. Mm. I would really like that. I think one thing that's kind of set up, which I wish would have been utilized is, you know, like the little iPad that they have. Yeah. It shows up a couple of times and it ends up only being used as like, Hey, throw on a Christmas movie. They're like, Oh, you're going to lose the battery. It's like, it's going to run out anyways. Might as well use it for something nice. It would have been, I thought maybe one of them like early on, uh, they have like a strobe light, uh, app downloaded on, they use it to like prank max or something. And then they use it later in the movie to be like one of the creatures is in the dark coming down the stairs and they turn on the strobe light thing and it trips and stumbles around and they kill the toy or something like that. I was like, it feels like there's like some some like kind of quirky elements they could have worked in to involve the kids more because like really they're only in the movie to kind of get captured and that's it. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree with that. That's uh, the only change I would make to a nearly perfect Christmas film. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny, yeah, that it's funny that you do call it a Christmas movie because... I think that uh, it's certainly in the spirit of the folktale, um, like how how we really come to terms with uh, um, the nature of like whether you've been good or bad all year and what there, there are actually bad consequences for being bad. But I do think that it's strange that like literally like the entire reason that this family is uh, attacked is because he tears up a note of all of the good things he said about it because it wasn't well received. And that's the reason that Krampus decides to descend upon this unwitting family and like attack them with anthropomorphic dolls. I love how it's like so overdramatic when he throws the window, uh, throws the letter out the window and then all of a sudden the storm clouds just come in. It really sets you up for like how ridiculous this movie is going to be. And I, I love all that setup. It all is, it all works so well to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess what I want to move on to next is uh, one thing that I think we both were like, oh no, is when... You get to the end and uh, Max is like going to sacrifice himself for his family. He's like, take me instead to Krampus. And he gets thrown into hell, I assume. But then he just wakes up and we were both like, oh, God, it's going to just be a dream. And I love that it didn't turn out to be that. Uh, They end up being like trapped in a snow globe. And I assume they're going to repeat Christmas over and over again. And so to me, that's actually kind of a nice ending where maybe there are some families who don't want to relive Christmas with their family over and over again. I would love that. It's like my favorite day. My family is spread out throughout the country right now, and Christmas and like the holidays is when we all kind of come together. So that would be great to me. So I love it's supposed to, it kind of subverts like that, oh, uh, sad ending, you know, crappy horror ending with 
kind of like a nice element of you get to spend Christmas with your family forever now. Yeah, like Christmas purgatory. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's kind of, I kind of wonder like, do they ever die? Do they only repeat the same day or are they just trapped in this house now forever? And they're, you only, only open the gifts once. There's a right. lot of, I think there's a lot of, uh, creepy elements to think when you ponder about the fact being you're you're being trapped in a snow globe like how technically does time work um but i do like that yeah it wasn't all just a dream it's actually much worse than that yeah it was definitely like really we're gonna do this so i I liked how it ended and then you have like krampus like skulking through his house this his lair and there's all these other snow globes of other families he's done this too i just really like the ending i i thought it, it 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 had a little bit of humorous fits when he opens up the gift. Max opens up the gift, and it's that it's that bell again. And kind of everyone looks at him with like this knowing look, like yeah. Suddenly <laughs> everyone knows, and you're like, oh, everything really did happen. It was an excellent way to execute the ending. Uh, and thank God it wasn't a dream. I about, thought it was perfect. Apparently, it was a criticism. A lot of people didn't like the way it ended. <laughs> they want them to all end up in hell. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that that would have been. I suppose that would have been more thematically on point. <laughs> no, I I thought it was excellent. Um, but yeah, let's move into final thoughts. What do you? Uh, how many how many uh, snow globes do you give this one? Oh, you know, I really didn't think of a, a rating for this one. I think it's I think it's fun. Um, and I'm gonna give it from the perspective of of a comedy, which I think it makes makes the points go up. Because if I think of this in terms of like horror elements, it's nothing special. Oh yeah, I agree. It's it's very obvious horror elements, like the uh, hidden creature grabbing people from under the snow, and you know, it's yeah, it, it it doesn't work if it's just a horror movie. It has to be a comedy. Yeah, exactly. So I i want to give it somewhere in the eight range but i think there are are i think there are a lot of missed opportunities for how they could have made this film so ultimately i'll give it a 7.6 that's actually dangerously close because i did give it i give this one an eight eight snow globes i love this movie yeah i i feel like i'm kind of all over the place on some movies uh you you bring up my rating for the fly a lot <laughs> I love that's, it. That's my benchmark of how you compare every other movie because I have such a low opinion of it, yeah. and you're like, you know, this movie might get better for me. It's like a six. I'm like this is a foundational piece yeah, of cinema, and you're like over here. I love The Fly. <laughs> yeah, I, this is the same rating as The Fly to me. I don't know what it is about it. I just love this movie. It's going to become a, an absolute mainstay that I, I I watch during Christmas. I can't wait to expose my family to it and force them to watch it with me yeah it's a great one to add to your holiday uh movie rotation since so many of them are just awful yeah you know you're right it, and that's not even like being sarcastic i genuinely think that this is a, a fun movie to watch mm-hmm. uh despite it having like the horror element to it uh yeah but with that we're wrapping this one up uh you can reach us at now this is podcasting 100 at gmail.com we also upload all these to uh youtube so feel free to leave a comment in the comment section i love checking those I reply to almost all of them. Uh, and we can be found on any platform that you look for uh, podcasts on, like uh, Apple Music or Spotify. And uh, yeah, with that, we're uh, wrapping this up. And thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting. <laughs>